I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they just can't keep knowledge, you know? They're, they're to total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the hell that lie to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening, everyone. I can certainly say that on at least from the perspective of my audience on my end, uh, particularly the members, uh, the last episode or the, the first one with all four of us was an absolute hit. But without further ado, it's my honor, pleasure and uh I'm extremely grateful to have with us here today. Of course, we have Brandon uh, and we have Matt, the architect. And then we also have Matt from the Great Deception podcast uh, in that order. How's everybody doing? Wonderfully. Amazing. Great. Thanks, Dave. Awesome. So I believe we have Matt from the Great Deception who's starting off first. And then we have very, I didn't even know this, but very graciously and appreciatively, we also have Matt, the, uh, the architect, uh, put together something as well. So the floor is yours, guys. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I just, I, uh, in doing this ley line research, I came across this interesting thing that I found with a uh, harp. And when I was looking at it, because this was right around the time with the Turkey earthquakes. So I started looking at, you know, where th there's this thing of these harp ionos ionospheric heaters that they have that basically are different frequencies they use to bounce off and they can use it for a variety of, of ways and, and tools. Some say it's for weather manipulation. Um, there's others that say these things can generate earthquakes. Um, so there's all sorts of interesting stuff. Now, when I was looking at it, you look at it again, there's no real grid pattern to it. But the, there's two glaring things that I noticed. One, that there is no presence whatsoever in Africa that somehow Africa has managed to escape this as well as for the most part, the Middle East. Yet, they seem to take a lot of the hits from this. And what I found is on this next slide here, this is very interesting because on the lower right-hand corner, we have a map of the global seismic hazard areas. And you'll notice 
the areas in red on that map all have a harp uh, location within them. Or you can draw a line between two harp points and it will go directly through that red area, almost as if there's a correlation between harp and the seismic activity that happens. I mean, we look at the uh, west coast of uh, North America and you look at Alaska, which is a hot spot. There's a harp right there. You look at California, <laughs> there's a, a location there. And then you go down the South American coast and there's a location there. Um, and Can then I just say very quickly, this, holy crap, there's certain things, unfortunately, I can't say at the moment, but this is sparking whole, notice that if you were to, no matter how you connect the dots, they're all in vectors, first and foremost. Secondly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's back here, yeah. On the lower right, they all go into these. It's just, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. And I just wanted to say as well, notice that uh, particularly the bottom right image here where we see the starting point before the vector splits essentially or branches off into two different, uh, uh, we could say, gauges. We find that it seems to come from the, I, I say this carefully, but the southern part of the United States, it seems like. Yes. Looking like yeah. Atlanta area. Tennessee, perhaps. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it looks like Ar Arkansas, north. Midwest. Uh, it's just west of the Mississippi. Mm. Mm. It is, oh, so Kansas, maybe. Yeah, somewhere like in the Midwest. Nuclear installations, or yeah, okay. and and the other place. Look at where India is. You know, you look at India, and then there's the random harp, which would be probably, I think that's like Western Mongolia, that dot here in the middle of um, almost Russia. But that between that dot and you go down to India, that's a red zone. And then you go from the lower India dot up to what would be uh, the around, um, where is that? Just to east of Spain. And you have, that goes right through that alley in Turkey which is, you know, we know that's a major area for seismic activity and it has been recently. So I don't, you know, I'm not saying that this is, you know, set in stone, but it's I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, what I, what I personally am saying is that it seems like the starting points come from countries that seem to be NATO affiliated, but I'm just going to leave it there. Mm, coincidentally. Yeah. That's yeah. You saw the, uh, also Antarctica wasn't on that list that uh, on that map either. Nope. Neither of them. Nope. Yeah. So that's that's just what I found. I wanted to share that with you all because I know how uh, we talk about harp and things like that and and manipulation and and a lot of these tools we see are not beneficial to humanity, unfortunately. Matt, can I ask you what what's the like the official line on <clears throat> what harp is intended for? Uh let's see here. I will, I will let me just share what I, I actually had it up here. Um, while Matt's pulling it up, I can say that they essentially what it does is it manipulates the ions. And yeah. I know people say, okay, it has to do with the ionosphere. Well, it's interesting because the ion essentially anything that one does when playing with ions you can produce what you'd call anti-gravity you can produce psychokinesis you can produce weather manipulation you can produce uh you can even actually manipulate what you'd call reality it's called space-time metric engineering so um 
you basically anything playing with the ions, whether it's magneto hydrodynamics or anything like this, you're it has to do basically with light, sound, and uh, different types of radio frequencies. Do you think like a lot of things like a uh, harp and perhaps CERN? I mean, not to bring it in, but another thing to where there's sort of a mask, like what the public knows, of course, like NASA and anything else, right? Like harp allegedly heats up the ionosphere, and then they can move. Uh, storm uh, systems yes. around and things like that but I, I mean, now you're it, talking about like warping reality and perhaps portals and shit like that that's cool as fuck it's of my opinion that what harp is doing with the ionosphere is a much much larger but also more spread out version of what the magneto hydrodynamic uh, propulsion chambers from anti-gravitic craft use yeah and that's what it sounds like dave it's you get into it and it says it's it, here even it, it alludes to it gets in the plasma waves a- arena. You know, it says here that it's yep. powerful radio waves drive ionospheric electrons back and forth in what's called uh, plasma waves. And, if I can and- just mention as well, when you it's also been proven in out al- what's called alphan waves. Um, that you can freeze magnetic flux lines, which are all around us, magnetic fluctuations. Uh, you can freeze them once they're in a plasma. And what you can then do from there is create what's called a slingshot effect. This slingshot effect for a craft creates what's called instant inertia. Uh, in the weather on a broadened level, potentially could induce what we call earthquakes or other things. Wow. Damn. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> By the, oh, this is called so, Alphan. A, so uh, a, mind-blowing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> A-L-F-V-E-N, Alphan Waves, for anyone looking into it. Uh, it's called the Sweet Parker Connection that creates the slingshot effect. That's fascinating. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I just had to jump in. and. No, 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 that's it. And and, and that's basically what I wanted to, to show you guys. So uh, I just found it very interesting. And Dave, I know you have a, a, a lot of knowledge on you know, the, the ionospheric side, the electrons and everything like that. So I'm like, yeah, Dave, Dave will be the one to ask on this because oh, yeah. it's one of those that doesn't, it just one plus one does not equal two here. I appreciate that. Also, if we see here, the harp beam, as you've highlighted so beautifully, Matt, it, we see here is broad, like a flashlight, not narrow, like a lasers. And what's interesting about that is because a flashlight is also like a vector. It begins to expand and propagate from the it's exactly so it creates sort of like a centrifugal kind of force if we want to call it that and it's interesting because when we think of it like that we then have to ask ourselves does light have anything to do with it as well and so that's when you start to things start to get interesting lightning you know all that kind of stuff yeah we have to ask ourselves why we in a flashlight, right. you know, and it's we like have to ask in. ourselves why we've seen craft also going towards thunderstorms and lightning storms because they they we've seen some alleged images of where they're looking to charge the craft from a lightning strike. Um, yeah, those our, are interesting. yeah. Our, our mutual friend Darcy Weir has made a, a documentary about UFOs and volcanoes too, and it's something about the electrical discharge going off there, this crazy ionospheric uh, happenings. It's fascinating, man. Uh, I wanted to ask Matt: uh, Is there an overlay, or has have you looked at any correlation between uh, ley lines and the harp installations? Not yet. I just I just pulled this harp stuff out probably like a week or two ago, and I, that's one of the things I want to look at is the different ley. And again, it it depends on which ley line map you're going with, right? But that's one thing I want to do. I want to overlay the different ley line maps with this uh these harp installations yeah 
And then you, I'm just curious if there's anything underground. I'm thinking back to like my grandmother's property and like there was somebody that had gotten the mineral rights, but they lived next door. So they had access to what was underground from next door. So I'm thinking some, you know, silly loophole thing with these dumbs with these deep underground military bases to where they're like, yeah, we can't do it on African soil, but we perhaps can tunnel underneath. And maybe there's something going on underneath that you would also correlate with the... You would have to because it's like the Casimir effect. You'd have to take two plates and you, think you can you can find the area you want to affect. Yeah, so they could just bore you, in without asking. Yeah, and if you look at that, bo it was basically boxing in Africa yeah. is, is what they were doing there. And, it, and, and that's what this uh, – actually, I'll share that last map again because um, it kind of showed it here and this down in this lower quadrant here. You'll see how, you know, it's dead center on Africa. Yeah, and it kind of makes a mini pyramid too, which is interesting, around it. From like oh, yeah. Brazil, um, up there, I guess, to the UK, and then what are we looking at over there? Yeah. India, and then, you know what I mean? Yep, right in China. There. Oh, yeah. Kind of make a mini 3D pyramid over it. It's silly, but there you go. It, well, but, it looks it, like that pyramid that we, the, the ley line that we saw before with the St. Michael's. Yeah. Right, yeah, where yeah, yeah. It, it laid those in with the obelisk in the middle. Yep. And you know, there's something to that. We we talked about that before with the with the sacred geometrical patterns and things like that. That there's there's a flow between those. That's beautiful. I love awesome. how you found you you chose to separate the wheat from the chaff in that sense, man. I, whatever you got going on in terms of how you discern certain things, incredible. Yeah. I, in my opinion, at least, that's incredible. Um, but we have uh, Matt as well, uh, wanting to present a few things as well. The floor is yours, brother. Well, thank you. Um, so, you know, with all this talk of, um, you know, energy manipulation and what they're doing and so forth, um, I thought it'd be a good idea to take a like a deep dive, step-by-step, uh, -step, sort of a one-on-one -on -one approach to plasma physics. There's been a lot of discussion of electric electric universe theory. And, um, you know, I've been doing like these deep dive research uh, investigations into old world architecture. And so on the one hand, it's like what happened and where did it go and who built it and when. Um, so on my uh, on my channel on YouTube, Marvelous Old World, I've I've looked um, really carefully into uh, Seattle and more recently Port Townsend and did a series um, yeah, really kind of like a forensics approach to what happened to the old world and how far back do these buildings really go. So that's one side. And on the other side is what were these buildings doing? And Matt and I have talked uh, on his show quite a bit about like electric architecture, eth ethereal architecture, I've started to call it. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the years about Antiquitech. And so um, where I'm coming from is, and I, I, I have no background in physics, so I'm coming at this as a layman who's just trying to sort it out. Like I started studying physics at a deeper level just so that I could try to understand these questions. And, you know, so I had the, the double task of learning a bit about mainstream physics and at the same time studying plasma physics. And the go-to place for me has been the Thunderbolts project. Um, now you probably, sorry, if I could just say, Matt, in my humble opinion, not to put the pressure on you, but whatever you're about to discuss and or present is probably going to be more accurate than what most mainstream physicists touch. So I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. 
Well, and I'm really glad to bring it here because like Dave, you're a wealth of knowledge and, you know, in between, and so I figure what I do is just present a slide, just kind of introduce the, the topic and then we can riff. Okay. And then I'll listen to what all of you have to say. Oh yeah. Sounds great. Send it. So <laughs> let's see if I do this right. Slideshow from the beginning. Are we on? Uh, you'd have to go. Oh, we share. need to share it. Yeah. Share screen. Zoom. That last, there we go. that last bit. Can you see? Hell yeah. Yes. Right. So there's Wall Thornhill. Uh, he was the chief science advisor for the Thunderbolts project. He just passed away, sadly. It was a big loss to that community. So what we have, what I'm introducing is electric universe theory versus mainstream physics. And on the one hand, we have, you know, what the mainstream brings us with its grid and its scarcity and its mess. And on the other hand, we have electric universe theory, which is based on just an infinite access to uh, an infinite source of divine energy. And so what I found interesting, and this is a very short list, but on the one hand, you have, uh, you know, these characters in history who are aligned with orthodoxy. You have your Edisons, your Einsteins, and your Darwins. And for each one of these individuals, there seems to be a corollary uh, to an alternative perspective. So for Edison, you have Nikola Tesla, Albert Einstein, we have Emmanuel Velikovsky. And uh, for Charles Darwin, have you guys heard of Alfred Russell Wallace? Yes. Have you heard of the Wallace line? Yes. All right. So, you know, right? So, um, and this is in the, I believe, in the Indonesian archipelago, north of Australia. There's an invisible line. And on the one side of this invisible line, you have certain species of aquatic life, uh, bird life, uh, terrestrial life. And on the other side, we ha you have completely different species. And so natural selection doesn't explain how there's this invisible boundary in nature where we have, you know, a completely distinct speciation. And so in the electric universe theory um, perspective, that's due to frequency. Yep. Different frequency in different parts of the world, and you're going to have different speciation. And I think that, like Matthew, that pertains to like communication too, right? I mean, there's, I, I feel that that's like how we are today. There's certain yeah. people that I can't talk to because our frequencies don't match. We, right. no matter how hard we try, we right. cannot communicate with one another because our frequencies are just out of whack. It's like trying to tune into a radio station and all you're going to get is static. And right. until you find Absolutely. someone that's in tune with you, then you'll be able to get that sweet music that comes out of the box. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And part of this, a big part of it is learning to tune back into our intuition because you can feel those people before you even talk to them. I right. agree fully. Yeah. 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 You ever get it's that also... hair on the back of your neck that stands up when somebody walks by? It's like, mm -hmm. that's like a warning sign. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say intuition because you're doing a presentation on electric universe theory and people talk about intuition having to do with the heart. And we know that electricity certainly affects the heart. So, yep. Yes. 
Oh, there we go. So, um, so on the one hand, we have uh, with the electric universe theory, it's premised upon experimentation and observation, which is the old alchemical tradition, right? And on the other hand, we have theoret theoretical mathematics, where we have a high priest class, you know, and they're the only ones that are credentialed enough to interpret phenomena through more and more, just throwing more and more equations at it. <laughs> right. And also, if I could say as well, whenever anything comes their way that they can't, uh, well, it's gotten to the point these days where it just seems like those at the higher echelon levels of academia just attack the person and not their work. So we find that to be peculiar as well, over and over. The person is attacked. The science itself is never debunked or disproven. Right, which is a logical fallacy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also what's uh, what's so special about electric universe theory is that any child can understand it because you can see it, you can touch it, you can experience it. And so this also goes back to our direct experience. And I might add, too, um, for me, you know, I grew up Christian, just a, a little side note here. And then I divorced myself from that when, you know, in my 20s and I embraced atheism and I'm full swing back into, you know, this em embrace of spirituality and, and, and a sense of divinity. And with this electric universe or plasma theory, there's a science behind spirit and a spirituality behind science this has been a false dichotomy all along that's this is called the bioplasmic matrices mm. yes in my opinion it yeah basically that are inside of our in our bodies there's a type of sort of plasma if you will uh matrix that can essentially be comprised of energies that are not even understandable in this reality but it is sort of non-locally tethered to something grander, if you will. Mm. You know, I have a note over here that is not to re-listen to anything uh, that Dave does while tripping. And that is one of my rules. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely handle it sober. So I just I can't do it. Uh, yeah, fascinating. And also, uh, math and magic. I just want to... Uh, kudos, sir. Well done. <laughs> so... With electric universe theory, we have ether energy, um, and there's a lot of terms that could stand in for ether. Uh, I like the term ether; it dovetails nicely with energy. We have prana, we have chi. You know, it's it's that, um, yeah, it's just that um, ethereal prime primordial soup that we're all part of, the matrix that we all exist within. Versus mainstream physics gives 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 us the vacuum of space and it also implies that we're disparate objects floating around separate from one another whether it's planets or whether it's human beings this is if i could say very quickly you've already nailed it brother in my opinion uh because if the top right image we're looking at the michelson morley experiment that seems that that attempted to disprove the vacuum but the thing is is that they were not at the time exposed to different forms of light and what's called refractive indexes indices so mm -hmm. it changes the whole ball I, I i fully agree and one thing if i may mention as well is that it's actually been noted by very high level physicists in public books and papers that it's interesting because in quantum physics, everything in quantum physics, uh, whether, whether theoretical or dare I say experimental, 
shows what we literally brings to life what we would what our ancestors called magic. But what's interesting is that m most, if not all, of these physicists, except for maybe a handful that are in the know, um, accept the vacuum on paper. But the second you try and bring it to an experiment, because that experiment starts to do things that literally are, are indiscernible from magic, they they just don't accept it. So there's that cognitive dissonance there. Any science sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Yes, I couldn't agree right? more. Yep. And, and also they've done experiments where allegedly they've done a vacuum chamber and with light and everything, it had a plate all exposed. You could see everything going on in it, suck all the air out of it. Things won't ignite, like obviously, right? So like that that calls out combustion engines in space or that calls out the fact that what combustion engines are doing is in a space, right? So there's all these things done inside of a vacuum that also misprove even the ideas that NASA puts forward with. You it. can it's you, it's you can extract, you can remove, uh, say, in a chamber, a very high level one. Uh, you can extract the electric and magnetic fields and energies from there. So you remove the E and B fields. But there's still a fine. There's still a force there that is that is we could say resonating. And that force is arguably what unifies everything that's being allegedly being suppressed but trying to come back out now yeah so there is there is a there is a third force in in my opinion mm. i might actually go back and listen to this again when i am tripping <laughs> actually as, as a, i'll take it one step further when you remove yeah, yeah. the e and b fields the electric fields and the magnetic induction fields from a chamber you have these um this resonant energy that never disappears as a matter of fact not does it not only does it not disappear but it starts fluxing and ebbing and flowing in toroidal geometry strictly mm -hmm. wow yeah and just a a, a note about this mickelson morley experiment you know they based their dismissal of the ether on an experiment that was done with light in 1880 1880 technology yes. yep Yep, which means that if the dual slit experiment tells us anything, it's very possible Newton's second and third laws are wrong. Well, we're going to get into that. I got this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, toroids. So, we have the Big Bang, Genesis, because that whole theory was derived by a priest, and his name is... Help me out, fellas. Do you remember? I can guess. Um, it starts Paul. with an L, and it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. He's a, he's a Catholic priest who hung out with Einstein, and he made a presentation. Oh, dang it. And so he came up with this idea of the Big Bang in the 30s, and Einstein Lefkowitz? said, yeah, that's it. Le Lefkowitz? Lefschitz? We're close. Uh oof off the top of my head. You got Max Planck, you have Niels Bohr, uh Aronoff, then you have Bohm, Einstein, uh Feynman, Wheeler, Lefkowitz, Left. Somebody out there in the audience is screaming it right now. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Versus the cycles of time. You know that that reality folds back in on itself, and you mentioned toroidal fields. Right. Right. And so it's almost like yeah. It's almost like the Big Bang. Can you see my mouse here? It's almost like they're just dealing with like one half of the equation. You know, they're 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 dealing with the outward emanation 
but they're not, you know, they haven't zoomed out enough on the, you know, the phenomena. I'm, I'm going to cry. You, you, you've nailed more than most physicists that I've seen. This is great. Hey Matt. And it's, it's George. What is it? Lemaitre? 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 Yeah. Something like that. L-E-M-A-I-T-R-E. Thank you, Matt. We say it in Texas. Lemaitre. Yeah. (laughs) A Belgian cosmologist, Catholic priest, and father of the Big Bang Theory. Perfect. Now, what's what interesting years? about that, I had to dig and dig and dig to find it because everything I looked up for the Big Bang Theory was related to the stupid television show. Dude, there's, right. a, whole th- there's a whole thing on this. Don't get me started about how they bury hashtags and shit. Uh, the BLM's a big one, uh, Bureau of Land Management. They were going in and seizing all sorts of property and shit, and so BLM, Black Lives Matter, I'm not getting political and shit, but that came in and buried that hashtag, which saved Homeland Security like a huge... And they, wow. they just they did it, Brandon, with... One example. They did it with MK Ultra, that new MK Ultra movie. Yes. If you yes. go and search MK Ultra now, all you'll get is hits on that movie. You know, uh, another one was um, Pine Gap, uh, the facility in Australia. Yes. I was looking up some fun facts for it just because I thought it'd be cool to bring up on an expansive insider show that I was doing. And it got buried from the show that's a garbage show that came out. And then I think also these shows are like designed to be dropped in just to bury the hashtag and then canceled, right? They get some money laundering going in, probably some human trafficking while they're at it, and then it gets canceled, and then they're on to something else, but the hashtag has been established, and then that curiosity has been squashed. Yep. Can I ju- can I just say as well, if I may say, we see here on the left-hand side the Big Bang image, and we notice that if we were to take that and turn it vertical, that would be just like Matt was saying, that would be one half of that toroid. Exactly. Now, why is there not another side of it? Right. That's that's the thing. That's the inversion. That's a great call. This is an awesome, awesome perspective. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is like the big the whole Big Bang Genesis, the whole Big Bang theory is just a repackaging of the Bible story of Genesis. Like there was a point where there was non-existence and then there was an event and existence sprang into existence. And so it's really um, yeah, it's just really interesting that this, you know, this what's considered like an axiom of of science like unquestionable is really just a repackaging of of a bible story do you you guys think and i'm just curious about this dave do you think that once we can visualize or see the other side of this that basically it'll put our reality together and we'll just get it like in an instant like things will just click and we'll just become completely aware of this once the knowledge is handed kind of like uh, have y'all heard that story invisible ships how the ancients would say that they couldn't see the ships coming in have you ever heard of this? I'm yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. There's it's way more once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's and that thing, and that right? and that that's also if I may say that's also why in my opinion this what we call anti-gravity is also so suppressed and and forgive my uh, forgive me to my audience cuz they I've they know I've repeated this billions of times but once you understand how to tap that uh, and what you'd call create a gravity wave, you can then literally do what our ancestors did you can you can induce telekinesis you can open portals because that unifies everything you can start you can induce what we would normally call shape-shifting but that's more information structure adjustments of of the we could say of the resonance of the uh the the binary matrices that comprise our reality so you you can literally do everything damn wow and uh real quick side splinter how does shape-shifting work do you actually shape-shift or do you shape the way that others can perceive you yeah there's there would be multiple ways of doing it it depends on the uh it depends on the potential technologies and or or even organic 
uh, intent, we could say, uh, apparatuses used. It really, it really does vary. If we think, for example, of like an onion and there's multiple layers to an onion, if we're existing on one of those layers, but say there's say an infinite amount of other ones, uh, what you can then do is take, for example, something from the lower layer of the onion and bring it here, or you can use your intent or use a piece of technology to mess with anything here. But ultimately, you in this reality, um, what you'd call shape-shifting is essentially manipulating the space-time metric, whether it's with our bodies or craft, you name it. You're, you're playing with light and sound to give off something different right. that would otherwise, people call it shape-shifting, but it's... I, I would say respectfully, it's more like um, adjusting the uh, like adjusting the code of a video game. Okay, and like mimicry, like nature does this all the time. There are moths that have eye like patterns on their wings to reflect the to make it look like they're a huge owl, and that that you know facade is portrayed. That mirage is is you can see it. Like oh, an owl. I would and say that comes like, from oh. the, the toroid field, like that whole concept of the toroidal geometries. Look at the toroid field right here. We can see the eyes of the owl if we envisioned it. Fuck yeah. So yeah, that, that's my take. Yeah. God, this is cool. Okay, Na sorry. You. Nature is basically telling us, in my opinion, there nature is leaving all of the hints and clues in fr all around us. It's basically saying, if you want to build something, model it off of nature because that's the best way. And um, unfortunately, last couple hundred years, that's just been butchered by stigmatization and, you know, deception, blah, blah, blah. But I'd say Matt's presentation here is really bring refreshing uh, and in a very beautiful and elegant way. Uh, yeah. A lot of that. The creation bears the mark of its creator, bears the signature of its creator. Yeah. Mm. Mm -mm. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, guys. This is really great. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, one, one uh, I think, really uh, critical aspect of electric universe theory is the nature of stars and, and most immediately our sun. So, what we have from the mainstream is that a star is a nuclear furnace that's organized through through gravity, uh, gravitational accretion of like a nebula cloud. And then there's sufficient uh, inward pressure that it starts the nuclear combustion process. And but one thing that's well, there's a lot of things that are really problematic with it is that when they look into sunspots, they see darkness, which indicates cool closer to the core. Whereas the surface, I think, is like something like 6,000 degrees Celsius, but the corona is millions of degrees Celsius. So if if it's a nuclear furnace where the, you know, how can it be a nuclear furnace if the closer you get to the center, the cooler it gets and the further away you get, the hotter it gets by ex extreme orders of magnitude. So the, the, the EU... Uh, um, answer to that is that they are stars are like pearls on a string they're they're organized uh along what they refer to as uh berkling currents and there's these pitch pinch points along these currents and that's where you have um and forgive me and this is where i might just defer to you dave if you could riff on this because again i i don't quite have the background to eloquently sort of you know expound upon this Sure. Yeah. The, the the pinch points, in my opinion, would be when you overlap rings over top rings, which is, of course, what is called quantum these days. Mm -hmm. uh, the pinch points would simply be the intersecting of those, the entropy of those rings, respectively, intertwining. Um, when you see, for example, the what for, what did you say, if you could repeat, Matt, what the EU had said? 
that there's Birkeland currents that are um, giant plasma filaments that drift through space. I mean, we're talking like at the largest scale imaginable and that the they act like strings and along those strings there's pinch points where you have these inter interweaving filaments right and it, um it, i would it, say sorry thank thank you i, I would yeah. say they're, they're much more like uh, in my opinion more like loops like slinkies rather than strings um mm -hmm. what then ends up happening in my opinion is that we see for example, uh, a situation for the EU is describing right there what's called ER equals EPR, which is the Einstein Rosenberg Bridge. And that was a theoretical proposal for how you could basically go faster than light or enter hyperspace to go from one point in space and time to another. Um, but you see, it's interesting because they sandwich, in my opinion, they sandwich in the a little bit of the truth saying, OK, there's a plasma. We got this, these pinch points. Mm -hmm. But what but then ultimately what is the interconnection what where's that coming from all of that kind of stuff and so i dude i think you this is an incredible job hmm. where does it come uh, from is that the question oh, that you're hanging i would i would i mean we can say it comes from the ether if that makes sense um and just like an onion the ether doesn't have just one layer to it or realm it has multiple layers like a mobius strip so mm -hmm. one one layer of the ether is electromagnetic. Another one is would be uh, magnetoacoustic. Another one would be uh, what's called uh, chromodynamic. But that that's fancy way of saying colors. Now, what's interesting about all of this to support your electric universe proposal is that just like a string on a harp or a guitar, you can pluck the you can tap different parts of this ether electrically and magnetically. But the electromagnetics, for example, doesn't interfere with the magnetoacoustic layer and or it doesn't interfere with the color layer but you can use it at the top layer to to induce and bring that layer forward to you that that's 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 that's, that's um what's interesting it's so ironic because this is all agreed on theoretically by the way but then the second you try and apply it practically or try and propose it to someone all kinds of nonsense stuff gets brought up but anyways well, and just to kind of tie a bow on it, um, if if we look at it electrically, that stars, basically what this is suggesting is that stars are powered from without, which could provide an answer for why it's hotter in the corona. And, and I just say as well, that also speaks to the, okay, so it, man, this is, I love your observations because the, this speaks to the idea that the star is pulling energy from outside of it to then fuel inside of it. So this speaks right. to what's called over unity and or COP over one, which means coefficient of performance over one, just like the human body. I had this discussion just the other evening, which is that we know for a fact that we can exert more calories than we consume. If not, we would if, if it was the other way around. Like science teaches us, if we needed to consume the exact amount of calories as we exert, then we would die the second we would exert more than what we consumed. But it turns out we don't. So why would that be any different with the sun, with stars, or even with devices? Uh, had Chaz of the Dead on, uh, same thing. Bees have an economy mode that scientists mm. cannot explain. Whenever they're flying with pollen, so they're carrying weight, they use right. less energy whenever they're flying so it's called an economy mode they're basically lighter if you add up the physics so same thing to what you're talking about and this is observed in nature Absolutely also fascinating if i could say that that z pinch where we see concentric cylinders of filamentary z pinch 
The Z pinch, I would imagine, speaks to the axis of like on a Cartesian plane. You have the X and Y coordinates, but then there's also there's a third dimension. There's the Z one. That is interesting because it's kind of like our our, our um, DNA strand. We we think we're told we have two strands, but allegedly we have a third one at the nano level down the center, and that one there is allegedly electromagnetically conductive. So it's interesting that if it was, it would perhaps induce an effect, to, say during Kundalini, kind of like our heads are stars, or 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 electric capacitors, pulling energy from the ether. And from the, the ground, the ether, exactly. Which yeah. is also more of a lean to that your consciousness isn't found in the brain, it's found from without. So not only are you receiving this energy, you're also receiving basically animation. And and not only, well, that speaks directly to to light and mirrors. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, another, before you move on uh, to this electric sun idea, uh, John Lear, uh, whose daddy, of course, invented the Lear jet, but also John Lear himself is one that gifted us Bob Lazar. So he was a big proponent of that stars are not what we're being told in science, and they're they're cool to the touch. If you want to go up and touch one, he said you absolutely can. I I must say as well to to support uh, uh Mr. Lear and uh, Mr. Lear's point. I would like to say one thing about Mr. Lazar. Um, I will say that it is of my opinion in terms of the story he told about you know the facility and this or that or all that kind of stuff. Sure, that's one thing. But in terms of the science, the geometries he's described and the way he claimed the craft maneuvered and the way he even talked about looking glass in a 1990s video with argon gas and all that stuff. It is of my humble opinion that that is absolutely accurate. Now, as to whether he was in certain facilities or not, or there was even an element 115, I don't know. But what I can certainly say is that in terms of what he sketched out as to what he claimed he saw in the lab, it very consistently lines up with certain things. Let's just put it that way. So in my opinion. And, and that's usually a common tactic too, Dave, is right. the easiest way to discredit is is to expound upon it, right? Make it seem like it's crazy and there's these the facility side of it. Although that may be, you know, maybe it is a little story that he added to make this a little more interesting. But like you said, the, you look at the science and the geometry of it, it's mind-blowing work. I, I, I can, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys being, you know, taking my word for this, but I can certainly say that theoretically and experimentally if you guys can read between the lines here from my experience the geometries are bang on from what he's drawn that he's claimed he's seen uh, i'm not saying that is the only way to create this effect there's multiple ways but i i don't think he's wrong in that sense god i love this i love this show you guys are incredible <clears throat> now we have on the one hand we have gravity plus dark matter and I'll explain that in a moment, versus gravitation and radiation, which we get from Walter Russell. Now, gravity plus dark matter is because, as I understand it, uh, they looked at, they were able to finally observe galaxies. And what they couldn't understand was how galaxies just don't spin themselves apart through through centripetal force. If they were organized simply through gravity alone, and the mainstream puts forward that gravity is the strongest force in the universe and it you know galaxies solar systems planets stars are organized primarily again through gravitational accretion um but if that were true the the galaxies would spin themselves apart unless there was a a, a, a you know a counterforce sufficient to hold it together hence dark matter something we can't see we can't experiment upon we can only again go refer to the Mathemagicians. 
If I could say much of my opinion, dark matter is just another cover for ether. So which would imply that ether is fueling us. And then again, that's all the whole concept of free energy. Right. That was going to be my question, Dave. What's the difference between dark matter and ether? Uh, it's a, it's, I'm just going to say, cause I've, I've stopped giving a fuck at this point. It's a cover. It's a cover for the, it's a cover for the ether. Yeah. Don't it's, call it anything, but. And I couldn't agree more. And if I may say as well that I love this Walter Russell uh, uh, image on the on the right here, because if we were to expand those lines respectively and extend them on each end, and then if you were to connect the concave sides, you'd have not only the, the two hemispheres of the planet, but you'd also have the human brain looking at it from above if you removed the skull from someone and looked at their pineal gland from above. Wow. Oh, and you'd yeah. also have the uh, you'd also have the Schumann resonance, the way that it emits itself from the alleged Earth's heartbeat. So if the Earth is what they claim in mainstream it is, then where the heck is the Schumann resonance coming from? Also, frogs in a pond again. Uh, yep. it's the, it's the creator. The, also, the creation bears the signature of the creator. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. And what we see here, by the way, if we removed one of those arrows from the Walter Russell image, remove one of those directions. Like, like for you guys in the audience, put for example, put your hand over just one side of that and cover half of the image. And that's what we're the other half that we can see. That's the only half we're taught in schools about how an electron spins. That has to do with the poly exclusion principle, the half integer electron spin. It doesn't spin half. It does a full spin. But the other half we can't see because it goes into the ether, but it's still there. Oh. But you can tap it. Wow. They're only giving us half the story. Like. In every yeah. example, they're literally going like this. If my phone is right here, for example, I'm covering half my phone and I'm, I'm trying to convince you guys the bottom half is all that exists. And if you go, hey, what about the top half? I go, no, you're crazy. That's all they're doing. Yeah. Heresy. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> what I love about this also, the, the, the Walter Russell diagram, is that, that that comports with what we experience. It's the inward and outward breath. It's the yin and yang. You know, as above, so below. At one trillion percent. I mean, look at it speaks to even society in general, the way that society has been shaped. It's all external. There's no element or aspect to look internally. Now, sure, you could say, oh, I can go to a yoga class or meditative class. Absolutely. But you have to take the initiative to do it. Everything external is taught from the second you're, you know, from the second you start going to school. But everything internally, where where is that? Right. So that that's my take, anyways. Absolutely. All right, now <clears throat> we're getting into it: the bending of space-time versus three D reality. Now, what's interesting here is that three D reality is what the electric universe theoreticians uh, adhere to: that the introduction of time as a fourth dimension is is an error and that this bending of space like um going back to uh, uh wallace thornhill he 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 says how do you bend something that is not there like space is by implication it's a vacuum it's an emptiness it's nothing no thing how do you bend nothing and you're again i'm out on a limb because I can, I hear it and then I try to wrap my head around it. And so that's as far as I get with it is sort of looking at the paradox, holding them up, you know, the mainstream theory versus the electric universe theory and just seeing them side by side. And sometimes I just have to sit with it. 
And well, so this is you, one I sit with that at that three-dimensional reality. And I put that in quotes because we've all experienced, you know, a reality that's, you know, the real realer than real experience of doing magic mushrooms, for instance, or just prayer meditation. Um, and that has taken me certainly out of my three-dimensional um, you know, meat suit, but but when we're using dimensions, we're referring to X, Y, and Z, like the uh, what is it, the Cartesian grid. Yeah. Um, um, to pl- to locate something in in space, so to speak. Um, but so again, um, Dave, maybe you can riff on this idea of time being a fourth dimension. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say that they haven't gotten space wrong in how they've taught it in terms of if I, you know, take a step from one spot to another, I'm moving in space. Yes. But you're also what they're not saying is you're also moving in time. So to give a very simple example, think about every everywhere around us that we call empty space which is not really empty but let's just say it let's just use the label everything we call empty space is filled with invisible uh let's think of vertically stacked books now where does the stack end it doesn't it's infinite each book for example is um think about walking through invisible bookshelves and each shelf is infinite in terms of its verticality in terms of how and then each book on each shelf respectively represents an an event in time so you can basically go from say you stand in one spot if you had a device say let's let's say there's a, a invisible you're standing literally in an invisible stack of 10 books you are residing on book number 10 let's say you can if you had a device or with your intent as well you can take book number three and bring it up to where you are in book 10 but it just so happens that in book number three there's some pages in that book that discuss say uh uh let's just say uh i don't know uh, uh, a a a couple um Let's just say a couple making love, for example, if you brought book three up to book 10 where you are, that couple will appear in front of you. So you've now brought time, various points in time in that particular row to you. Now, if you moved from if you took a step to the right or left, you've now moved into another infinite bookshelf that's vertical, not horizontal, vertical. Mm hmm. So, but what part of you goes into the reality, like you and the air five feet around you, or is this, you know, you and the desk you're touching? Is is it anything you're touching, kind of like um, Nightcrawler and the X Men? Anything he's touching, he can teleport. Like, do you bring reality to you, or do you go to that time? You see what I'm saying? Like, oh well, exist in a space, and that is a space you're going to. Well, I can, if you like, I can, after Matt's done here, I can uh, bring up the, I can bring up the sketchboard, my little sketchboard and and draw it out. I think that'll simplify it. Sure. Yeah. And, and just to kind of like dig uh, one layer deeper, this idea of space bending, um, I've always like scratched my head when I see these diagrams, they're very common, you know, you, you, you see, uh, you know, bowling ball on a sheet sort of diagram, right? And when I look at that, it's like, well, I don't, you know, I see that as sort of like a, a, a you know, a three-dimensional representation of a, you know, a, a, um, or a, let's say actually a two-dimensional representation of a, a three-dimensional phenomena, because it's not just space bending as a, as a sheet. You would have, you know, uh, sheets in every direction you can imagine bending towards a mass. You'd have the entropy. 
bingo, you'd have the entropy of the event relative to the space, so the entropy of time would then be affected as well too. Yeah. Yep. You're like taking a slinky and then expanding it. Mm. Or decreasing it. And then taking the slinky and saying, I don't want it to go up or down, I want to bend it right or left. <laughs> and then that's when you start to get the effects that people call... Why is it that there's always pixels, uh, pixelations on uh, when we film UFOs? Because they're altering the metric around the, the vicinity of their craft. They're voiding the local metric. They're not, think about everyone swimming in a swimming pool, but you're in the pool, but you're surrounded by a mysterious pocket of air. And wherever you walk in that pool, the water gets maybe two meters away from you, but not past that. Now think of that pocket of air around you as anti-gravity. And that would, you would be the craft. So it's almost as if we're existing within some type of electromagnetic fluid that we don't even know we're in, potentially. And does that get into the idea of the holographic universe? I mean, that, that would, I, I'm, yes. And the, but the reason I, I'm very careful is with respects to associative labeling. You, people call it hol, uh, holograph universe, they call it morphogenic universe, they call it um, simulation theory. We can use any of those words. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can call it magic, Holy Spirit, respectfully mm -hmm. to my religious friends, you know. Um, on the simulation theory, just because you mentioned that, I I um shy away from that just because it feels it it feels to me like there's like an external manipulator. If there was, you control it. But the external manipulator is uh, trying to make you forget that you even run the show. But once you remember, it has to listen to you because you're the source, nothing else. Yeah, you're the game maker. Yeah. Imagine imagine being put a character being put in a video game and the character forgot he can control the code. Yeah. It's like you're an undercover boss that forgot you're the boss. But then right. But, amnesia. Exactly. Right. Well, it's like if you took a bunch of rats, put them in a cage and then you shook the cage as the scientist, the rats, if they forgot that they were even put in the cage, they think the cage is all there is and they'd call the shaking of the cage an earthquake. Yep. Yeah. So in other, but then the second the rats realize they're trapped, they come together and they realize that they're even stronger than the scientist because the scientist is actually a rat too. Damn. <laughs> like the prisoners running the prison, right? Yep. Uh, yep. There's another one about fleas. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Just same analogy here. If you put a bunch of fleas in a jar and you close the jar, um, way smaller than they can actually jump, they'll they'll be hit in the jar and you hold it there for I don't know a couple hours a day, something like that. And then if you unscrew the jar and dump all the fleas out of it, they will never jump higher than the height of the lid of that jar. They they like create their own restriction. You know, it's wild. Kind of like what you did because you're a god with amnesia. You forgot you built this whole motherfucker and that we're all the same thing and we all forgot together. And we all decided to come here and uh, figure it back out. And that's part of the game is we're re-puzzling it back together. You nailed it. That's why that also speaks to the concept of when there's some spirits on property still, allegedly. When people tell the spirits, you can go now. Sometimes they, ha they, have, to be, they have to remember that they can go. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Wow. Just yeah, like with the bee jumping out. The, yeah, bee thinks, the bee thinks there's a limit. Why? Or the, the little bug, sorry. Same oh. thing. Yeah, because it's been programmed to think that. It's been given a limit so much. Same with crabs in a bucket. They'll pull any crab that tries to get out of the bucket, even though there's an open lid. You can leave an open bucket of crab crabs on the bucket or on the beach or whatever, and the only thing you have to worry about is somebody coming and getting them because those crabs will pull themselves back down in the bucket because they don't want the other one getting to freedom. They've done this study with monkeys as well. They put a ladder in the middle of a cage, 
they hung bananas above it, and um, when a monkey went up for it, they sprayed it with hot. They sprayed the other monkeys with hot water, the ones remaining in the cage. So the other monkeys grabbed it, pulled it down, and beat the piss out of it. And any monkey that tried to climb that ladder to get those things, they sprayed the other monkeys. So the group actually were the ones that were policing at that point. And then they would swap out monkeys. And then by the end of it, no monkeys had who had ever been in that original cage had ever even gotten sprayed with water, would yank any monkey that climbed that ladder down and beat the piss out of it. They were not even sprayed, nothing about it. It was just a behavior that they learned and then just perpetuated. Sounds like a lot like the programmed behavior of 2020. I was just going to say, Matt, you beat me to the punch. Yeah, the fleas, the monkeys, anything. It's just a program. And then you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, well, um, it's propaganda. And you're you're programmed by the media. You're like, okay, well, so we'll shut that down. Then you go with the center and then you sit on conversations like this and anybody listening and participating in this understands, oh, it's a participatory universe and we are here to figure this out. And us breaking free of that that shit that's there as options for others, other parts of us, is no longer necessary for us. But now we're under the level this, you know, the next level. And we're all here together because we've all beaten those levels respectively. It's fucking awesome, man. I love this game. This is fantastic. <laughs> what a conversation. Here we go. Now, <clears throat> dark energy, <clears throat> which is related to redshift, which is related to the idea of an expanding universe, an increasingly accelerating expansion of the universe, if I understand right, versus electric universe theory postulates that the universe the universe exists in a steady state, is neither expanding nor contract or contracting, it just is. And <clears throat> And by the way, they accept the mystery that we don't know where it came from. And I really like that about their approach to this. They're comfortable with the mystery and just sitting with it. Now, um, I'll take a stab at this and then I'll hand it over to you, Dave. Um, My understanding is that this idea that the universe is expanding comes from this concept of redshift, which is uh, light, light waves that when they when the wave expands, it, 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 it appears red. And when it contracts, it appears blue. So when they look out into their telescopes and they see red objects, they say, well, those are moving away from us because the wave is stretching out. Um, so, but there's a couple of problems with that. One is that they observe red shifted objects within like a blue shifted cluster or a blue sh- like a red shifted object mm-hmm. in a blue shifted galaxy, let's say. Um, so that's problem number one, which, you know, I, I don't read the journals, but just from what they say, that hasn't been dealt with sufficiently. And yep. the other interesting aspect to it is, and that's why I put the image on the top right, it's it's very much a geocentric perspective. Like we're the center and things, everything is sort of like moving away from us to observe this red shift as opposed to, you know, we're all just kind of like flying along here. Well, to your point, Matt, if we uh, if we recall the Walter Russell spiral, we see that there's an arrow going out on each end opposingly, respectively. Mm-hmm. So what if one end of the arrow was red and then the other one was blue, but like a Mobius strip, red turns into blue and blue turns into red. But anyone who's standing in red thinks they're in blue and anyone who thinks they're in blue is standing in red. So it, it's no one and that's and no one's right or wrong. It's perspective and perception and experience. Yeah, it's the six and nine thing. The people yeah. standing on either side of it arguing that it's a six and the other guy's standing there arguing it's a nine. It just depends yeah. on which one you're in. So and it's fascinating it, you said that you can't be in one to observe the other because this is what we know about duality, about the yin-yang, about 
everything that we you see what you experience what you're not until you figure out what you are and then you just experience the shit out of what you are it's fascinating it's like basically to your point basically white holes if i'm recalling correctly off the top of my head white holes add time to our future and black holes add time to our past in terms of perception but that also speaks to the 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 walter russell spiral i could be wrong about that off the top of my head but just how do you add time to our past blow our minds with that because uh well it would it would speak to the the um uh, if i when matt's done if i could share my screen with the sketch pad it it will explain all that it it has to do with time same thing so but just to rewind a, a half step just based on what you said dave is this red shift in your impression enough to conclude that the universe is expanding no no okay no 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 no, 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 not emphatic right there dave (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what i was after yeah no there there is no uh there is no beginning or end in my opinion there's no expansion nor contraction there is what you choose it to be and that comes yeah that's perception that's intent and if enough of us on a grand scale believed it or believe it then it's there Mm mm-hmm if not, then it won't be. So the redshift would be just like that electron spin. You're obso- observing only one half. Yeah. No wonder you can't get where you want to on a map if you're only looking at half of the freaking thing. It's like pirates on a ship. You're going to you're gonna go sail somewhere, but the place you want to go to is someone came and just covered half the map and said you can't look at it. Okay, this so how are you going to... This is every like childhood movie, adventure movie we've ever seen. The Goonies, everything. Half of the map is ripped or something. I mean, uh, yeah. Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, half of the... Uh, tablet he had to go get the rubbing from the the other half i love shit like this man this is this is from our childhood dude this is great (laughs) that's why it was proposed by Feynman and wheeler that a positron is just an electron moving backwards in time but from the perspective of the positron it's moving forward and its external environments moving backwards but from the point of the electron you see you see what i'm getting at here no one's right or wrong though yeah so interesting so now we have light just the nature of light and and, uh, on the one hand the mainstream you know there's a particle wave duality versus the electric universe theory puts forward that it's neither light is an agitation of the ether and like nikola tesla the way he put his light is nothing but a sound wave in the ether that's good Uh, that's well i would say the speed of light is uh in my opinion the speed of light is finite you it's not infinite it's finite um you can go quote unquote faster than it or go outside of what you'd call time because if time is measured in light then because if you remove light from somewhere how do you know where you are that goes with perception and that also speaks to yeah i i, I would say yes basically so if we took a uh, a, a glass prism and we shot a laser beam out the laser beam is outside of the prism but we shot the beam through the prism the kinetic friction going through the prism will then readmit reabsorb reemit reabsorb that's something called kinematic viscosity it's a fancy way of saying that what we call empty space moves like a fluid essentially and so if that's the case then light would be just a particular sound wave that we are perceiving so if there's more than one why can't we tap the other ones maybe the laser beam shooting through that sort of biosphere prism type situation is doing that deliberately. Maybe the sun is uh, some type of laser beam of sorts. 
You know what this makes me think of too is entanglement or this idea of spooky action at a distance. And it's like, you know, it had them scratching their heads or Einstein didn't like this idea, right, of quantum entanglement where you can manipulate an electron here and then, I don't know, a thousand miles away, the, the, the entangled electron is affected. Yep. But if we have, you mentioned the, the word fluid, if we have this etheric fluid, then there's a, there's a medium through which they can be instantaneously um, attached. Exactly. To and just like a surfer riding a wave, if a surfer is, say, holding a box, and that box represents, in, in this case, a packet of qubits, quantum bits, like ones and zeros, and that surfer would be riding the wave at the speed of light. So you would have as above, so below. Where one thing happens in one place, it's instantly going to happen in the other. Wow. That would be the idea. And that also speaks to like rings layering over each other. That inner, your intersection point. So two different intersection points would then intersect and they, they are moving at the speed of light because by definition, of the way that they would operate they they can't do without the other just like just like you can't you can't rip off one strand of your dna one side and go okay i just got the other side it's good it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work like that yeah it's like you need the duality you need this polarity you need this other you know to which is you but you need it in comparison so that there's you, a you to establish a you exactly you, you're gonna buy you're gonna buy a car with just two wheels on the front and none, none on the back and then this let the car salesman or the dealership go no no don't worry it's fine it's fine that's basically what we were being sold in my opinion yeah that's a good analogy dave i like that one it's and then and then basically most of society has been programmed to think no 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 but the car does drive without wheels on the back yeah it does but have you seen how it goes <laughs> so those videos with the dudes with half of the back of the car yeah off and it's a front wheel drive and they're like dragging yeah Right. So imagine another car pulls up and then says, pulls up next to you at a stoplight and it's got four wheels. And, but because it's got the two back wheels, that means that the back half of the car is elevated. And let's say that elevation cannot be observed from the kid in the back seat in the car with no wheels on the back. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, well, I don't see the other half, the, the wheels on the back half. So it must not be. And that's what we've been sold, in my opinion. Does that also speak to um, <clears throat> the relationship between electricity and magnetism? Like where you have electricity, electrical current, you have magnetism, and where you have magnetic charge, you have an electrical current. Basically, magnet. It, it, yes, uh, essentially, the magnetism is all around us, but electricity control and what's called electrical damping uh, via ohmic resistance is what controls what part of the magnetism you're going to tap if you will um and i will say very much so it's uh very much like the uh the male and female reproductive organs oh yeah the male male is very direct obviously you know pointed female is more open permeable so you have electric permittivity magnetic permeability receptivity it, it's your push pull wow and all the cables and stuff referring to electricity or audio or sending signal or anything or male female you know they're about yeah about insertion and receiving yeah exactly exactly so when they say there's no such thing as gender what they're really doing and everything is androgynous what they're really doing is they're they're taking our charge away from us we're attempting this to is where this is and then i i will say uh then you throw that and mix that and make it a political thing and you get going you get people's emotions going and you yeah use the uh, and I, I don't mean to get political at all but you essentially use and fuel the fire of the same thing you're told is not true you're using to convince yourself it's not true yeah yep it's like paying someone 10 bucks and say i never paid you 
Yeah. But you believe that you, you genuinely believe you never paid the person, but you did. Black magic hoodoo gas. That's, that's, that's where the yeah, propagandization yeah. comes in. <clears throat> yeah, really. And like, as a father of three boys, like navigating them through the, you know, shepherding them through the public school system, they're bombarded with this stuff all the time. So, you know, I, I, I can get personal with that stuff. It's really, it's a mind fuck, you know, it's, it's going to, I promise you, it, it will, it will change soon in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, all this is, it's meant to flush out. This is a collective purging, man. All this, how I see it. It's just I think, everybody's purging out, man. I think even us having this conversation and that our audiences respectively listening to this or watching this after, by definition, returns the other half of that spin. Yes. If you want to call it. Yeah. Nothing happening outside of this conversation. And so therefore, we decide right here the way consciousness expands moving forward. We all get a better understanding by sitting here and doing it. And so now you're talking 100th monkey effect. Now, all these people, not only our audience that's getting this directly, but there's a vibe sent out. Now, all the audience as well pr propagates that vibe independently where right. they're at. So it's this huge collective awareness and understanding. Collective elevation, right, Brandon? That's right. That's why the slogan for my show is the expansion of consciousness cleverly disguised as a podcast. Yeah, we'll call it. This that. is that's all what's happening. That's why I prefer the term consensus harmonics instead of consensus Ooh. reality. Ooh. Dude, Dave, people need one. to just hire people just need to listen to these, if nothing else, just to get band names from. I have a list of about 80 <laughs> band names. Everything you talk about is an awesome thing. I just Very wanted cool. to say not to not to sort of be a bummer for or any for anything, but in the next 10, 15 minutes, I, I personally do have to get going. But if if Matt is not done his presentation, I would love for there to be a part two to finish it off, if that would be all right. I Absolutely. think it's pretty close. There might be one or two. Do you want? Oh, to... sure, sure. Please, please. Let's see if we can move through them pretty quick here. Oh, this was the end. Perfect. So I just wanted to bring it sort of home, you know, and again, like Matt and I have been talking about electric architecture and um this idea of electoral culture has been floating around and so um you know what are practical um applications of all this you know plasma theory electric universe theory that we're talking about we we look at antiquitech um in old world architecture and then there's also this idea that we can you know tap into this all around us free all the time etheric energy and bring it down and supercharge our plants um pyramids hyper focus electromagnetic energy and these stone towers and i might have even been to this particular one in ireland um and then there's you know a lot of talk about how the crops and the grass around these stone towers grows extremely well so yeah that's if that's it if I could say thank you so much, but the picture on the left, particularly the what we see sort of the fork with the the mm -hmm. the we could say the filaments between it there, um, that is also the same exact representation of what's called the Fogel transistor that was patented, I think, in the seventies or eighties. In mm -hmm. addition to what's called a three phase inverter, um, basically a way of letting stuff potentially run on its own self-reliantly you would have to give it the initial spark but then after that the resonance keeps it going what's it made of copper tungsten copper copper i know with the electroculture conversation is huge that's a big thing that i'm, I'm following very closely so matthew i'm glad you brought it up um but that that's an interesting thing 20 rungs uh horizontally on there guys if you're if you're wanting to diagram that out and mimic that particularly if the, if the copper if the copper and tungsten is not so much in coils but in discs Discs are a more uh, prop, more powerful version of harnessing coils, just You're the geometry of coils. Like stacked washers rather than wrapping wire? Exactly, okay. exactly.
what would the yeah. center pole be then? Would that matter? Like, let's say you are going to mimic something like this. Are you just going to glue a bunch of, let's say, just for crude crudeness sake, you get a bunch of copper washers, which I don't know where you'd find those, but I'm sure, sure you could make them. So you stack that up. You'd have a rod probably in the center to keep everything from going cattywampus, right? So would that rod matter in the middle, what material it is? Uh, you'd want it to be as electrically conductive as possible. What you'd also want to do is the middle rod, you'd also probably want to taper it sort of like the obelisks on the, the, top. on the top right. And yeah, because similar, just like a fluid, um, it, it, you want the, the, the resonance to build, but it, in order for it to then shoot out, it needs a, a sort of tipping point focal to it. Point. Yeah, a like focal wands. point. Yeah. Like any, yeah, even Merlin, you know, all the Harry Potter, all of them, they're all their wands have tips to them. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you. This is amazing, guys. This is amazing. Thank oh, you, guys. I, so I just, cool. if I may, uh, I'll share my cool. screen to elaborate on the time concept with the bookshelves. Please, um, yes. Tell us how you stretch past time, expand sure. past time. So imagine, imagine, say you've got person uh, red, person black. We got, uh, we are told that in, we see here, space is horizontal, the yellow arrow. Now, everywhere around us in what we call empty space are comprised of these rings. This is what when they call in neurology closing the loop of a task you're going to do. That has to do with what's called entropy. So what happens is these rings are move are uh, let's say they're um, moving up and down simultaneously at the same time. But each ring that which the loop is closed on represents a movement that you did. So say you, you went to go lie down in bed, that's one ring. You turned over in bed, that's another ring. You, you then turned over again, that's another ring. And these rings are then moving uh, as, you, as you go, so to speak. So you are perceiving time in this particular space. Now, person red is not going to see what this guy is seeing because he is doing his own thing in this particular ring. But not, not, that's, neither is true nor false. It's simply perspective. And this is why time is subjective or people say this is why time is subjective. We've all felt this work drags by, but the weekend flies by the exactly. same amount of time ticked, but it's your vibration. It's where you are. It's how you perceive it. That right. Makes time go by so when you, quick. when you, if you had a long day at work, it's going to be a larger loop. Right. If this guy right. goes, Oh man, work went by so fast. It's going to be more something like this. Yep. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, I, yeah, I would add one more yeah. thing to that. Brandon is that, you know, in looking at so many old world, uh, photos, photos of old world bidding, buildings and cityscapes. Um, and then you do a side-by-side -side comparison with the new modernist, you know, just uh, ticky-tacky, whatever schlock tower that's there now. The experience of being in that space, just by observing yeah. the photos, it's yeah night and day. Yeah. Like there's an experience of being next to an ornate building with the scale and the city street and the sidewalk and a promenade and, you know, objects, you know, around like a, 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 a focal point, like an obelisk or a statue, the experience of being there in that space, it's, you know, and then you strip all the way and just put like a modernist box on either side of a plaza. And it's like, it's not just soulless, like it, it, it lacks like a visceral connectivity to the, to the environment and you experience time. Now imagine to your to both your guys, it's all your guys's point actually. Imagine now you were then able to take one of these rings and split it open like this. Now you're bend. Now this is what this is what a craft would do technically. So it's now going outside of time. Oh wow! 
if that makes sense. You're, you're leaving the rings. You're going to a layer behind the rings. Yeah, you're staying. You're getting off the path, right? It's exactly. Insane. You're. Yep. You're. Now, exactly. Are you, is that a mechanical process? Is that a consciousness? Is that some somehow related to consciousness? Is that completely? Explosive? I would say completely related to consciousness. Mechanical can only take you so far until it's consciousness. Yeah, all level, all technology at a level is just consciousness, right? I, I, to to the point of the craft are just nuts and bolts versions of what we already are. You know, it's interesting to bring this up too. Uh, the perception of time is very fascinating on this too, and I'm sure this is a whole other thing. And we'll close on this, but the idea that uh, that like your vibration has to do with time as well. So, like, if you're having a shit oh. time, it takes it slows down. So then you're asking yourself, well. Perhaps these engines, these electroculture, all this stuff uh, made it to where the vibe was high. So time sort of sped up. So people live longer. Maybe that explains the longer ages is because your perception of time has to do with your vibe as well. If you're in a great mood, time flies. Right. And so then the question is, is, well, it, can you get in a great mood by affecting time in a way? Because they're I, I would completely I, I would say yes. Imagine, for example, see all these different densities here. Imagine each color represents a different uh, a sound a vibration. Yeah. So that's why when we say, oh, my, you know, we all connect here in this call. We're all resonating on, say, for example, the green one. Meanwhile, others are on the purple, others are on the white. There's no bad or good. It's just the, re the resonance that they're at. But the higher the resonance, the quote unquote lighter things become both in weight, mass, all lighter of it. Is Lighter is the word. Lighter Literally word. lighter in weight and in brightness. It, it's all intertwined, Experience. in my opinion. Yeah. So that would be, it would just be, and then imagine these rings just constantly going. Yeah. Not only are they moving like a Mobius strip, but they're also, one side is going this way, the other one's going that way. Yep. Oh, man. And what's more yeah. is they can be swapped out for infinite things that you want to do at any moment. And so, like, your decision is putting them in front of you the infinite possibilities your decision is flashing you into one of those discs that you experience as time based on what you want sure that's why for example say in this particular point in space and time say there's a mountain here for right. example um we see for now imagine this person here sees the mountain but let's go and i'll end it off with this um we have another person that then comes say we go more orangey here they come here and they're standing ah let's do it like this they're standing here and they are told like they're perceiving that the mountain is not there because they need to be here mm -hmm. so now this person's going to go what do you mean there's no man mountain there but then someone here is going to go what are you talking about yeah there is no one's right nor wrong Right. You just haven't reached that, oh, that point in, wow. in time. Yeah. You haven't hit that next loop or, this, or yeah. This also trips me out. I had a Dr. Uh, Doug Matsky on one of the things he tripped me out about. He was like, you know, you get that feeling that there's a cop ahead. He goes, it's not because you have ESP or something. He goes, that's your future self sending you a message back to your current self in time. That's not, that there's a cop there and that you need to slow down. That's what your intuition is. That's it. Intuition is. Yeah. It's wow. your future self sending you messages back. 
So imagine um, futures... potentialities. And this is why you get bad vibes from people too, is because there's a version of you that had a really bad experience that's sending vibes back to you. And you I... then, from your mm -hmm. moment in time, get a choice on what kind of experience to have with that, rather to pursue it, meaning that you ignore that intuition and experience and bring that timeline to fruition, or you change it in that moment. That's your intuition in my mind is an opportunity for you to really get your heads up about a, a decision going on. So with that said, and then I promise to end it on this, we'll use more of a blue here like this. Imagine this right over here. What I've just circled here is what we call the present. Yeah. Right. So now you have a feeling someone you're going to meet is ah because you already met them at this point in time, but it hasn't come into the present yet. You got it. And this is why be, by being quiet, being present with where you are now, you'll get these signals by not living in your past and worrying about the things that you said or did with the best information you had at the time, you know, ignoring all that, because that's all noise. And that's because what the programming is, is a bunch of noise, too. And if you can quiet all that, you can get really tapped in. And you're basically one of the equivalents of it is Jack Canfield, the dude that wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, had this wonderful analogy about your life and perception. And he said, you know, think of it like your headlights driving through the desert at night. They can only see so far. But with this thing that I'm telling you about now, this is how you basically turn your brights on. This is how you can see further and wider is with a lot of guided intuition. And you set the tone for this, which is beautiful. This example right here, Dave, is fucking awesome. I'll now imagine this. Graphic forever. Imagine each one of yous, or you, if you will, are hooked in right, like this. Now, this is, so now this you have is, that. This is where your ancestor healing comes in because just like what we talked about earlier, uh, uh, spooky action at a distance quantum entanglement you heal the top one because of a thing that happened at the that uh, let's say something happened at the bottom one you heal it from your perspective at the top or this current state of time then you heal the back one then both of you change as if the, the that's how you change the past now so if we drew this current understanding right now if we drew the outline of this here of the, where my mouse is and then we took the other future and past you, versions of you and then you'd have this, yep. the, the naga the dna double helix oh wow yeah yeah that's your there you go and then this way is space you're moving in space and then these will intertwine they will link up in space and then the experience comes in time oh wow <laughs> if that yeah that's beautiful Dave. Right, tune in next thank week, you so everybody. Yeah. thank you guys so much that was awesome thanks Dave. before we go before we go please if we could go starting with matt from great deception then to the other matt then to brandon with where your guys's work can be found yeah dave thank you brandon thank you guys so much for having us this is this has been awesome uh yeah you can find all my stuff great deception podcast on instagram youtube patreon very easy awesome and matt yourself yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, fellows. This was an amazing conversation. Um, you'll find me at Marvelous Old World on YouTube and um, just opened my Patreon account. Thanks to Brandon's uh, cajoling. And so, yeah, Patreon backslash Marvelous Old World. Badass. We'll get it linked below, man. Great job. Uh, Matt, Matthew, Dave, of course, thank you guys so much. Uh, ExpandingRealityPodcast.com, guys, go check it out if you're listening to this. Obviously, you're already over there. It's the only place this goes on my end. But uh, go check it out if you guys are on one of the other perspectives. Just go take a look at it. It, it spent me months uh, making that whole damn thing, and it's really cool. I'm very, very proud of it. So ExpandingRealityPodcast.com, that's where you can check it out. And, dude, guys, fucking unbelievable, amazing, <laughs> mind-blown. Again, we need to integrate these things, but absolutely fascinating. Um, 
And, it, and, you know, uh, it, it's because y'all, Matt and Matthew, bring these kind of things. And then we just yes and each other. But it's this inspiration. It's this new information that you guys bring in that makes it connectable to so many other things. That's why there's no such thing as coincidences. Us all sitting here uh, with the knowledge that we have are able to connect it to other things. And I just love this. Y'all are so inspiring and empowering. And I'm just so grateful to know all of you fellas. Thank you all so much for this. Thank you guys so much. And for myself, patreon.com slash generation Z. But I would like to encourage everyone to check out more so than mine, both the Matt's and Brandon's uh, channels and, and uh, their websites and their work, because it's uh, it's really bringing all the pieces together. So thank you guys so much. Cheers. DC Wars of the late 1800s with his arch nemesis Thomas Edison over which current to run through wires newly powering cities and world fairs alike. Nikola Tesla was determined to demonstrate the capacity to transmit wireless electricity freely by way of his copper coiled towers, connecting a circuit between heaven and earth, between sky and ground drawing energy from the extant and omnipresent ether. The question I am raising is, did the ancients and ancestors know the secrets of the electric universe and weave into the fabric of their architecture, sacred and otherwise, this gnosis, rooted as it is in the teachings of the esoteric and alchemical, the principles of principles and sages, did advanced old world buildings made of charge producing piezoelectric stone shaped into sacred geometric self-similar fractal forms and gilded with charge conducting precious metals on rooftops, domes and spires with their towers, peaks, bells and organs still intact vibrate with life, lifting the spirit and consciousness within its occupants while projecting outwardly through cymatic portals of stone and prismatic leaded glass, itself a silica cousin of quartz, as sound waves rippling ever outward into the air, like light stirring up the ether, illuminating a path homeward to the divine. And if so, then we as spiritual beings having a physical experience belong to this architecture, imbued as it is within the boundless limits of natural law, perhaps even more than it belongs to us.